you know, I, I felt so stirred on the way here right before. Well, actually, it was right before I left the hotel. And I, I, t- I called Jordan. I said, Jordan, I'm, I'm going to share this. And you're going to help me in just a second, Russell. But, but then, you know, here's what's cool about God. He tees everything up. He always tees it up. He's like, okay, get ready. There's a moment. There's a shift that's going to happen. And I want to say a couple things because I, I felt like that as they were singing, it ain't over. It was literally leading up to this message. So is it okay if I go ahead and preach? Is that all right with y'all? Amen. This is a very peculiar Sunday morning. I'm going to tell you a couple of things before I get into this word. About uh, two years ago, Pastor John Kilpatrick, who's a father in my life, very dear to me, he did the forward for uh, rebuilding the altar. He's, uh, I consider him a father. He called me and he said, I need you to, I need to ask you something. He said, I had a dream about a church on a back road. He said, it's out in the country. Now, Pastor Kilpatrick is country. He lives over in Seminole. And he said, and the yard was full. He, he never says the parking lot's full. He says the yard's full. And he said, and, and I came in to the side door and you're in this little room on your knees. And he said, and he asked me about something physical. That on the, he asked me if I had a scar in the back of my head. And I, I said, yes, it's, I do. And he, and he said, uh, he said, well, I saw it, and you're on your knees, and I saw these mantles. But he said, I'm just telling you, there's a revival coming to a church on a back road. And from the moment I came here in February to right now, God keeps bringing that dream back. You need to understand, church. He said, son, it was an outbreak. It was like Brownsville. He said, I saw mantles. I saw Steve's mantle, Steve Hill. I saw different mantles. He said, I saw David Wilkerson's mantle, which was a prophetic word that I was, I was very dear, that he was very dear to me and I, when I would speak at Times Square in New York. Here's what I'm trying to say to you. You people are not ready. And what I'm saying with that for is it's about to get worse in a good way. It's about to shift in the atmosphere over this place. And some of you are going to lose your little parking spot. And you're going to lose your little chair. And there's a move of God that's going to break out. And there's going to be fire in the water tonight. And I need you to know that this is a setup. And you're not ready. You're not ready. You're still normal. You cannot be normal and have revival. Ravenhill Ravenhill said it best. He said the only reason why we don't have revival is because we're willing to live without it. We still like Sunday. We still like Mondays too much. Are you getting what I'm saying? I uh, I wrote this after being with y'all, and I'm gonna just share it because it's a part of the new book. But um, and and I was driving yesterday, and and, it, and and I I wrote I wrote this down about dripping grace, and I'm gonna preach in a minute, but we're gonna get there. And I wrote this down just Friday after speaking at the school, after lightning struck all around it, tornadoes came towards it, all this kind of stuff, and there was a battle in the atmosphere. And it says, I put, Are we done yet? Are we there yet? Have we seen it yet? Has he invaded yet? And I just wrote this. I am done with going to pretty, got it all together, perfect song list, spot on cues, microwave services that couldn't heat popcorn, Sunday best, Monday less, used to cry out. Got, <laughs> this is just, uh, I should become a rapper. Got to get out, got professional, chairs full, move them through, next round of seekers at the door, preach no conviction, even less consecration, lost spirit of insurrection, has forgotten the resurrection, duty done, Sunday's over, let's have fun, lost purpose and proposed rehearsals. This is the hour of not got it together. 
ready for more. Don't shut the doors. I came in hungry and left full church. And that's a part of the new book that, that I'm writing. And, 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 and what you have to understand is I feel so strongly that this is a portal. I feel so strongly that the glory of God is over this house. I feel so strongly that you've seen nothing. And even as when Nehemiah, after 70 years, when it, well, 50 years, but he gets there, it took 20 years to rebuild Jerusalem after it was sacked. But Ezra went and built the foundation. As they're building it, he went and climbed through all the garbage. Got to get through all the garbage. And so you read the Ezra, or talked about the Ezra verse this morning. People don't understand while Nehemiah was rebuilding the walls, Ezra was rebuilding the altar. And then the Bible says that the remnant came home that had been scattered. Here's what I want to get across to you. That foundation out there, some of you are like, oh, that's neat. Can't wait to get the walls up. You don't understand. Until they put the walls up, there needs to be people on that foundation every day praying. You're not getting what I'm saying. I'm listening to the Holy Spirit. That literally assignments of people walking on that concrete, praying over it, speaking into it. Don't wait till we're getting ready to put the carpet down and then we write scriptures. I'm talking about foundational anointing is here and they're coming and you're not ready yet, but they're coming. Are you getting this? I'm not. I will never say something is from Holy Ghost unless it is, because if you say it is and it's not, that's witchcraft. I'm telling you, God is trying to warn me to tell you to get yourself ready. Give him a praise offering. Are you with me? And I believe you're going to have a Solomon moment where you have to say, stop. Because the finances are going to keep coming so strongly. You're going to have a David building. It's going to be one of those moments where you're like, hey, hold on. We got enough. Because there's three more campuses that have to be built. And you need to quit operating as a pastor. You're an apostle. And what I mean by that is you are an overseer of this mantle. You're, that's why you're drawn to other apostles. You can't be doing the dumb stuff no more. I'm serious. I mean, you can't run around dealing with dumb stuff. I hope you know my heart when I say this. You're an apostle. You've got to raise up the sons and daughters to preach the gospels to the nations. And so I'll, I'll preach. I'm sorry. I'm getting all up in your business. But, but i got to preach this today. I feel stirred in my spirit. And I'm done after this morning. That's never, I mean, it might have happened, but I don't remember, I don't recall. But in 24 years and 3 million miles of traveling the world, driving to service, Holy Spirit says, you're done. You're not preaching tonight. And I didn't take it as a slap on the wrist. I take it as your assignment is over for this, for today. But I brought my baton with me. Because this is what I hear in the spirit. I hear this in the spirit over this house. I hear that God is about to restart the song of this house. It's another level. What are you talking about? You'll never lead. You'll never lead the orchestra without turning your back on the crowd. And what you have to understand is the music doesn't sound good without the pit in front going somewhere. And I have to preach a message that the next is about to start, the next dispensation, the next chapter, the next part of the song. I brought this as a gift to you. And you have to understand, I hear this in the spirit. God told me to come and preach over this house. It ain't over. 
He told me to come and tell you the next part is about to begin. And at the end of this service, we're going to start back your song. And some of you are going to begin to live in miracles. Not, I'm talking about perpetual miracles. I'm talking about seeing things you've not seen before. I'm not talking about once in a lifetime where you can look back at it 30 years from now and say, honey, let me tell you about it happened. I'm talking about an everyday, he still knows the recipe to man a mindset. I'm talking about living in an aspect where you begin to say, you know what? I'm telling Karen and I, every day we live in an aspect of miracles. Miracles, financially, miracles, physically. Listen, you cannot, we wrote about it in Restore the Roar, you cannot be diagnosed with cancer, with leukemia, and one year later for them to say it's gone. You can't live like that and, and see miracles like that without stepping into something different. Are you ready for the word today? Because I actually believe in living somewhere between amen and there it is. I actually believe you're called to be a mobile upper room. I actually believe when you walk into rooms, demons ought to dive out windows. And I want to get to heaven with nothing left to do. But I've got to preach this today because I hear music over this house. So let me preach about Selah. The place of quiet transition. That moment in your life when God begins to shift you. And I'll never forget years ago. See, you have to understand. There are four things that you have that nobody else has. Four distinct aspects of you that no one else has. You have a fingerprint, a tongue print, and an eye print. No one else has that. In other words, you're the only one that can touch who you're called to touch. You're the only one that can see what you're called to see. And you're the only one that can speak what you're assigned to speak. But you also have a DNA, a helic DNA. It's a winding staircase. It's God's imprint on your life. And you have to understand something. Scientists have actually taken people's helic DNA and applied two, put it in an algorithm and applied 2.4 megahertz to it and literally turned it, people's DNA into songs, symphonies. You're not getting this yet. Because I got to preach something. We're going to have fun. Because I'm coming to tell you something this morning. You're a song to God. Your music is not over. In fact, for some of us, the first part of our song sounded pretty rough. Amen. I'm talking about acid rock, heavy metal, 80s. Good. You're getting what I'm saying. But it's amazing how the song changes over time. And I hear this in the spirit right here. And he said it to me. I was going to preach something totally different. And I heard the Holy Spirit say to me, tell them the song isn't over. Lisa, the song isn't over, sweetheart. So I, so you couldn't join me in, in, at the North Georgia Revival last Sunday night where we saw hundreds baptized in water and healed. So God just said, all right, just meet him in Florida. See, what you have to understand is I feel stirred. Every great suddenly is preceded by obedience. Grab your Bibles. Because I'm preaching about the power of the song for a, for a moment. And I want to say something. Until the issue... A paternity is put to rest. You'll keep living in the wrong family. We are not orphans. The apostle Paul made a statement in in 2 Corinthians chapter 6. He said, we do not have communion with Belial. It means worthless, pushed down, forgotten, but you are called children. And there's a, there's a, one of the anointings that Karen and I carry as we speak around the world is just simply to break the orphan spirit. 
when I go to prayer every morning and I sit in a prayer bench from the Great Awakening the, the, uh, from 1740s, I sit in a bench at times and I literally know that I'm looking eye to eye with Father. I'm not asking permission. I'm not waiting on the adults to eat while the kids, the kids wait while the adults eat. I'm sitting at the table with him. That means I have the authority. Are you sitting in heavenly places? I have the authority to be able to look at Father and say, Lord, this is where I'm at. But I got to preach. Now, listen to me. I'm not a worship leader. I've led, I've, for whatever reason, I've led worship, but that's not necessarily my anointing. My mama didn't lie to me. She lied to my brother. Amen. That's another story. But what you have to realize is I've come to declare something. And I love what the Bible says in Psalm 71, verse 23. When I open up in song to you, I let out a lung full of praise. My rescued life is a song. What do you mean, Pat? And that's the Message Bible. If you don't like the Message Bible, don't write me an email. Because I, I, like, I, I just love different versions. But what you have to realize is I hear a sound coming from the throne of heaven over this house. And it is the sound of incompleteness. It's the sound of saying, hold on just a second. It's a sound, and you have to realize, I love Jeremiah 31, verse 3. It says, he has drawn me in with unfailing kindness, with cords of love. He has hemmed me in. What are you talking about, Pat? I'll never forget, several years ago, and this, is, this, this, actually, this message is a part of the new book called Unfinished, when God, you begin to realize you can both be, be both priest and king. But several years ago, there was a move of God that broke out in Phoenix and a move of God that broke out in San Francisco. At one point in San Francisco, we see this move at Glad Tidings Church. It's an Assembly of God Church. It's been there for 150 years. It's where a Bible college was founded. And they're coming from everywhere. And I'm watching as people are being delivered from sexual identity issues, people being set free. They're lined up for services week after week. And I'm flying in there, but I'm also seeing this outbreak happen in Phoenix. It's still going today. And so I'm flying, every time I'm flying to these places to preach, and I'm getting on another flight, every time I would sit down on the flight, I'd go to sit down, and all of a sudden I would hear the word, Selah. Or Selah, potato, patata. And I'd go to sit down, and as soon as I would sit down, I would hear, Selah. I'm like, that is so weird. I know sailors in the Bible. I know it's 73 times in the Psalms, three times in the book of Habakkuk. I, I understand that. But I've never heard anybody preach on sailor. I've never heard anybody talk about sailor. But every single, so I would go to different places. One time I'm on stage with a group called Jesus Culture. And we're in the back room. I'm preaching this big youth convention. And I walk in the back room. And I said, okay, guys, I got to ask you something because I keep hearing this. What does sailor mean? And somebody says to me, it means stop. Pause. I went, okay. Another time, and I'm in the backseat of a car, and there's a worship leader driving somewhere. And, and I said, hey, while we're riding, tell me what Selah means. Because usually I had spent my life skipping over it. It's not important. And then God began to stir me. Are you getting this? So I want you to write this down. Skipping over the video, Joy. Number one, your life is a song unto God. What does this have to do? I don't even know what was preached for a service. I'm mad that I wasn't here. 
But what you have to understand is Psalms 98 verse 1. The Bible says, sing to God a brand new song. He's made a world of wonders. He rolled up his sleeves. He set things right. I'm preaching Selah. This church is in a Selah. This is a new dispensation that is beginning. It's starting today. It's a new shift. He's changing things. And the Bible says, sing to God a brand new song. He's made a world of wonders. He rolled up his sleeves. He set things right. When God began to speak to me, and I finally, for two months, I was miserable. I went into my prayer closet at my house. And Karen can always tell when I got a sermon trying to bust out. It's trying to hatch. And she's like, because she, I just make her miserable and and so finally she says you need to go to your prayer room and write that so I get up there and I said okay God here we go I'm going to write about Selah this is going to be a five second sermon I have no clue what you're trying to say to me every time I sit down oh by the way on the way here this morning I heard it again Selah so I began to study what does that even mean the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10 for we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do the word workmanship in the Greek there is poema and it literally means a song a product something literally or figuratively that is made in unique fashion of the works of God as the creator and the author so it literally says that I am his song his poem something figuratively and literally that God made in unique fashion you're not an oops you're not an accident you're not just you're not a bastardly child there's no such thing because we have a heavenly father you're not an orphan you're not abandoned my daughter is from China but she is not an orphan no 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 if you know no because daddy came and got her gave her a name a father doesn't leave you where he he finds you he takes you with him and if you don't believe that my daughter is not an orphan just go look at my credit card statement And what you have to realize is there's a stirring in my spirit to walk into this place today. And when I'm done, I'm done. But I felt so strongly to say it. Psalms 9 verse 14. I'll write the book on hallelujahs on the corner of Main and First. I'll hold them to street meeting. I'll be the song leader. We'll fill the air with salvation songs. You are his song. And he sent me to tell you something. The song isn't over. How did I know? What was going to happen on this stage this morning? I didn't know that. We didn't just run back there and make that. He sent me to walk into this place and say it ain't over. It ain't over in your marriage. It ain't over with your babies. It ain't over with your finances. It ain't over and there's an all out onslaught, an all out attack. I have never in my life seen a church more well founded, more well balanced, more rescue spirited mind. God is about to raise this place up as a refuge. They will be lined up down this road all the way up and they'll be getting off I-10 and be backed up and they're going to wonder what's going on and you have to understand God says, I'm trying to prepare this place. He said, there's fire in that cement over there. And God says, I'm trying to stir something up. But he sent me to tell you something. Because there's somebody in this room that even said, all right, here we go. We're going to be one of them big churches. We're just going to get, you know, we're just going to be one of those big churches. Rolling them in, rolling them out. God says, no. How dare you speak against the tabernacle being built. And I've come to tell you something. We got too many karaoke Christians singing somebody else's song. You sound like a skipping CD. You got stuck where you got scratched. And there's a moment where you have to understand half finished songs equal half finished promises. There's another layer of the song. The Selah is a pause. I'll explain it a little bit deeper in a moment. But it's a moment to say there's more. Come on. There's more. 
It ain't over. It ain't over. And God sent me to tell you that it ain't over. Philippians 1 verse 6. There's never been the slightest doubt in my mind that, that he can, that, that God who started this great work in you would keep at it and bring it to a flourishing finish on the very day Christ Jesus appears. That's the verse. He's faithful to complete what he starts. What are you talking about, Pat? It's Revelation 3, 2. Wake up! Strengthen what remains. In other words, God says, you know what? The enemy came in and stole some stuff. He thinks he stole some stuff. I just wanted him to take it. I just wanted him to take some stuff because I wanted to use what was left over. I needed to be able to spit in some dirt and restore some vision. And when Jesus spits into the dirt and I'm made from dirt... When he mixes his DNA with me, vision comes back. And so there's a shifting that has to happen. I kept hearing it. I ain't never in my life. And this is what he does. It's Matthew 10, 27. What I whisper to you in the dark, he'll proclaim from the rooftops. He'll say things to me. Every book that we have, all the books, unqualified. 1 Corinthians 1, verse 26 through 28. Take a good look, friends, at who you were when you got called in this life. I don't see many of the brightest and best among you. Not many influential. Not many from highest society families. Isn't it obvious that God deliberately chose men and women that culture overlooks, exploits, and abuse? He chose the nobodies to expose the hollow pretenses of the somebodies so that it goes on to say so that no one can glory in themselves that's why I wrote the book unqualified because I said God I've always felt so unqualified good write a book about it wake up Pat where'd your roar go what do you mean God I don't even know what that means restore the roar I am remnant and this is the same moment where he says I'm wanting to start back a nation's song a church's song. Dr. Cho, who leads the great prayer movement in Korea, once prophesied, getting on an elevator in Mobile, Alabama, there's a move of God that's going to come to the peninsula of Florida, or the, the West Florida area, and it's going to sweep across. And then this was before Brownsville, and Brownsville was good. I preached at Brownsville. I love Brownsville. It was incredible. But God says, it's not just Brownsville. They don't have to come and stand in line for three days. And what if the next revival is about the prodigals? It's the sons and daughters coming home. It's ones that everybody else gave up on. I'm a drug dealer's kid. It's ones that God says, watch me use them. Watch me raise them. Oh, you ain't. That's fine. I'm going to keep preaching. I'm going to keep going. So I began to study Selah. I didn't know what the word Selah means. I mean, I'd seen it in the NIV and the King James and New King James Version 73 times in the Psalms, three times in Habakkuk. I don't know what Selah means. I thought, well, that's just a cool word to say. I mean, people name their kids Selah sometimes. You know, I don't even know what it means. I'm like, God, I'm, I don't understand it. So he said, go study it. So I wrote up, I pulled up the word Selah, and I realized that it's the place that God uses uh, to prove that he's not done. What do you mean? It's literally, it's a literally... Uh, grammatical I'll prove it Selah from the primary Hebrew root word kalah which literally means to hang by implication to measure weighing the place of pausing reflecting ponder deeply so it's not just like a hmm. no 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 it's different it's uh, hello yes your test results are back Lord we've had those if you hadn't had those, you don't want those. There's just enough time in there for all hell to attack your mind. There's just slow motion to weigh deeply, 
the shifting. What are you talking about, Pat? A, re a reflecting, a ponder deeply, valued by weighing. It's not just a commercial. It's a complete shift, a transition, a changing, a moment in a season. The valued by weight, the dividing of a timeline. Before the divorce, after the divorce. Before the accident, after the accident. Before the, it's the shifting, complete change. It's a 9-11. Everything changed on the morning of 9-11. A month before that, I'm walking through Battery Park in New York City, and I looked at Karen. We're holding hands, and I said, something's about to happen here. Bad. I knew it. Many of you know, I see 9-11 on the clock all the time. I wrote about it in Rebuilding the Altar. We saw it last night. We're riding down the road. Coming towards the hotel, I said, look, 9-11. Which it, I didn't know that it's the Hebrew number for the, for the word remnant back then. I didn't know all that. But see, you have to realize the place of pausing, reflecting, pondering, valued by the weighing, the dividing of a timeline, the moment of conjunction, junction, what's your function moment? You ain't getting this. It, it, okay, all right, we're going to get crazy in a second. My, my parents were drug addicts, but conjunction, comma, conjunction, changing of a timeline, but Selah. He set my family free in 1974. Nobody, nobody even knows how powerful that was when my father dumped $2,000 worth of dope down a commode and changed our family history. You ain't getting this. Uh, you got to get this. All right. My wife, Karen, was diagnosed with cancer, comma, but Jesus healed her. The moment, oh, you're going to shout in a minute. You ain't never going to forget this message because it's what he told me. To Can you imagine if songs only went halfway? If Russell's up here leading and he just would start singing half a song and then jump to another one, everybody would be like, oh, okay. That's weird. Oh, Russell's off today. I mean, Russell goes, well, all right. See, it, it, it's an understanding. Songs have to finish. Okay, okay, all right, let me, I'll prove it. All right, 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 right. okay, right, here we go. There's a song, an old hymn, that is my hymn. It will be sung at my funeral. And the song is Blessed Assurance. Come help me with this, come help me with this. When I was in college, and I was, at first I ran from the call of God. And the best way to know you're called to preach is you wake up thinking about it. And you go to bed thinking about it. And everything that happens, you'd be a great sermon illustration. And if you ignore it, you're going to be a mean board member. Amen? All right. So, I was running from the call of God. Even after I became a believer. I, was, I just wanted to coach. I wanted to be sports. That's all I wanted to do. And I'm still running from it. And then finally, I, I have an encounter with God out in this field. And then I'm preaching uh, or, or I'm not preaching. I'm at, I stayed up all night, and I'm like, I don't want to go into the family business, God. That's not what I want to do. I have no desire to do the family business. In fact, I didn't even like the church. Amen. Preacher's kid. And so, uh, finally, I'm in college, and I go to chapel one morning, and a man named Dr. Mark Buntain, one of my heroes, a missionary from Calcutta, calls on me out of the crowd. I'm sitting in the very back. I'm trying to ignore chapel because everybody else did, too. And I'm sitting back there, and he goes, yo. Come here. And it's like he's got a magical rope just pulling. I'm like, oh, no, no, no. My friends are going, go on. And I accepted the call that day. But I didn't want to preach the gospel. I had no desire to preach the gospel. But finally I did. I mean, 
I mean, I get up to preach. If I gave a speech, my knees would clack. No joke. In, my, in high school, my friends would laugh at me. That just wasn't me. And all of a sudden, I feel this call. So I start begging people to let me preach. Let me preach on the streets, homeless camps. I'd go everywhere in Florida, down, down in Lake Lanier. I, 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 and I'd go to prisons and preach. I'd go anywhere that anybody would have me. And, but it was so weird. Nursing homes, I mean, you ain't preached to you. And so, and you're like, I, I, I think she died. Yep, she's dead. <laughs> that happened. And so, <laughs> some people resurrect, I bring death. And, but everywhere I would go, they would sing the song Blessed Assurance that was written uh, during the Second Great Awakening by Fanny J. Crosby. And, and if you know anything about Blessed Assurance, this old song, I mean, it was written in 1873. Fanny J. Crosby wrote it during the Second Great Awakening. And in fact, you have to realize she was blind and people would ask her because healings were beginning to happen. People would ask her, do you want to be healed? And she would say, no, the only face I want to ever see, the face I want to see first is his, Jesus. But you know this old song, so this is my song. Y'all, y'all know it, right? You know, you know how it goes. You just, just play it softly for me, if you. And, and you know, how's it go? Somebody help me. Blessed, help me out. Come on, say, oh what a. Come on, you know this, because it goes on to say, oh, because we're the heir of salvation. Oh, we've been purchased. Some of y'all know this. We've been born of the Spirit. And we've been washed. Okay, hold on a second. What if Fanny had not wrote the second part? Because the second part, here I am in college, back in the late 80s, 90s, and they would sing this old hymn. And I would shut my eyes and I would just begin to sing. How does the second part go? Because it's the second part. What's, how does the second part go? Because this is my story. Oh, this is my. You all know this part. Praising your. Come on, tell him. Oh, because this is my. This is my. See, I'm trying to show you something. There's always a second part of the song. And this church is about to step into it. Thank you, Russell. See, you have to understand where I'm going. It reminds me when I was in college and I go to this church and all of a sudden I show up at this church because they feed the students for free and I was poor. I mean, I mean, I'm talking about, I'm talking about, I'd take a button to somebody's house and say, so a shirt on it. And um, <laughs> you with me? My parents were poor, too. They'd mail me cards, and they would. my mom would write on the front of it, don't open it quick. There's no money in it. I wouldn't even open it. <laughs> True story. I mean, I'm working full-time, going to college full-time. I mean, broke one month. I bought a, no joke, I bought a month's worth of ravioli at Sam's Wholesale, thinking I'll just eat ravioli every day. I will never eat ravioli to this day. But I'm in college. This church feeds the college students on Wednesday nights. So I, my roommate says, hey, let's go over there. I'm like, let's go. And, and so we get there. And I'll never forget, I just came out of baseball practice. I get over there. And I'm standing in this room, and I see this girl. Mm. It's all about my God. Now watch. 
I see this girl, and I'm like, my roommate goes, see that girl? He goes, man, I want to date that girl. Because, you know, you go to church to find who you love. And, and, so, <laughs> and so all of a sudden I go, no, bro. I went, mm-mm. Look at you. I said, I'm going to marry that girl. He said, no, you're not. I didn't bring you here. And I said, no, I'm going to marry her. And so I walk up to her, and I said, hey, a bunch of us are going to the beach this weekend. You want to go? She's like, oh, okay. So next Saturday morning, I show up at her house by myself. <laughs> brother got to do what a brother does. <laughs> and, and she goes, where's your friends? I said, oh, they couldn't make it. <laughs> Amen. You do what you do. And so I go on a date with this girl. We go to the beach. And we've been married 31 years. But on the way to the beach, a song came on the radio that became our song. Now, let me protect my man card before I share this song with you. And tell you this is the only song I like by this particular singer. But this is our song. And in dark times. How, how's it go? Play, play the first part for me if you would. Joe. It's. Yeah, you may think it's cheesy, but light the candles. <laughs> light the candles is going to be a good one. And so. <laughs> I know, you're like, Pat, what are you doing? You're messing up the anointing. You know I'm not. Watch. Because we've been married 31 years. And there's been seasons where I'm getting ready to go on a flight. And I'll get to a hotel and I'll open it up. And there would be the second part of the song. Because you're the wind beneath my wings. Or when a doctor's report, I would say, hey, Alexa, play the song went beneath my wings and it would go through our house and we would dance and not speak. See, you're not getting this yet. It was the second part of the song when things, when our son was under attack in high school, playing college, going to play college football, and we felt like we were going to lose him even though he was our promised seed. And, and we would do warfare, wind beneath. See, you're not getting this. There's a second part of the song that God's trying to get across to this house. And there's a reason why I'm sharing this today. You may say this is so different. I understand that. But he sent me to say to this house that it ain't over. I hear this in the spirit. It ain't over and what you have to understand there's a reason why you have sailors in your life there's a reason why God places a sailor because it's a quiet season a transitional season it's the shifting of leaves you're not getting it yet it's the changing and this house is there right now because there's the moment when words don't work have you ever been through something you can't talk about You get verklept when somebody speaks to you because if you really don't show them who you are, then you might have to pull the mask off. And we're so good at church. After we get ready for church, we go, hold on, I'm about to leave. Let me put on my mask. In fact, now society's telling you to put on a mask. And what you have to understand is I have learned that when God gets ready to shift me, everything gets loudly quiet. 
And you can't describe where you're at. And there are moments where you have to have selahs, transitional moments, because some words don't exist. Frustration and agitation of the mother of intercession. And when God begins to stir inside of you and you don't understand, because sitting Christians hatch hypocrites. And what you have to understand, God says, I'm trying to shift some of you and you don't know where you're at. You're in a structural tension and you're like, I I don't, what is going on? And you are frustrated and you can't feel it, but you can't exclaim it because there's no words created for that yet. All you got is groans. When the whole nation of Israel sighed, God heard them after 420 or 50 years of uh, 400 and yeah, 420 years of bondage. And he then he says, when the whole nation went (sighs) and he began to deliver them from their bondage, the Bible says, out of Egypt. It's the releasing of an old breath and breathing in a new. It's the shifting moment. It's the changing moment. That's why Romans 8 verse 19 says, For creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected and hoped that creation would be liberated from its bondage and brought into the glorious freedom of God. In other words, while you're blaming your mama or your dad or your boss or your spouse or your children, God's leaning over going, Hey, 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 biggin, hey, biggin, it's me. It's me. I'll take the hit. Have you ever been through something where somebody walks up to you and says, how you doing? And you immediately want to say it, but you can't. I'm doing good, brother, because we call you brother when we can't remember your last name. And so that's the shifting moment. It's the changing moment. It's when God says, I have more, but I can't reveal it to you yet because you'll go and mess it up. And you'll go talk about it to somebody and act like you're the revelator. But there's a moment where God says, I'm trying to change you. And I'm trying to move you to the next level. I'm stirring you up. I'm making you frustrated. And you can't talk about it. Have you ever been through something where your kids are lost and you're at home on a Friday night and you're laying in the bathroom floor and your makeup's running down the floor and all of a sudden you're laying there and you're going, I just can't handle it. And you can't talk about <gasps> Talking to somebody in this room. He sent me to share this. It's what the psalmist said in Psalm 77. Once again, I'll ponder. I'll sailor. I'll shift. It's the moment you don't have words. When I lost my mother last June and then my brother had a sudden massive heart attack. And I was going to preach about that this morning. Two days, two weeks later and then I have a prophetic dream right before. And then we, they bring him back after 22 minutes. Last June, all I could do was. Hmm. Thank God for COVID. I didn't have to go preach. Put on a mask and fake everybody out. Oh, what is too real? I get it. It's Romans 8, 8, 26. It goes on to say, but I love it in the Message Bible. It says, meanwhile, the moment we get tired in the waiting. See, I'm talking to everybody in the quiet season right now. Pastor up there shouting, we're going to build this building. But nobody knows that I'm in a quiet season. Nobody knows I can't talk about it. If I talk about it, I'll just throw up on everybody with my emotions. Nobody can hear about this. Meanwhile, the moment we get tired in the waiting, God's Spirit is right alongside helping us. And if we don't know how or what to pray, it doesn't matter. He does our praying in us and for us making prayers out of our wordless sighs and our aching groans so that means when you're riding to work and you're heading down the freeway and you just go oh God says I heard that that's your prayer language and you're on the floor and you're going oh God says I understood every bit of that I turned that into a prayer God 
will frustrate you to get you to the next level because he doesn't like you living on the treadmill. He wants you wandering in the fields of glory. And there's a moment where God says, watch what I do. And the Lord sent me here to tell you, it's Psalms 42, verse 6, deep calleth unto deep, or, or chaos calls to chaos to the tune of Whitewater Rapids. And the Bible says, he, he's with me all day long, but he sings over me at night. You ain't been through something if you haven't shut your eyes and gone into a deep rest and heard him singing. I'm hurrying. I'll be done when I'm done. And he sent me to tell this house it's preparation for tonight. Quit treating God part time. He sent me to tell you this is about to break out and you're going to miss out on it. And while you're chasing travel ball and you're chasing everything else, God's saying, I'm trying to wake your kids up. I'm trying to do something because there'll become a day when they won't even be able to go to the ballparks in America. There's coming a day when everything will be shut down and they'll lock us down again. And God's saying, you better know in whom you have believed that he is able to complete that which you've committed unto him against that day. The shifting is happening in America right now. And we're running around still talking about what if the president would have won? Would you focus on what's happening right now? The church is being called out. And we have never prospered unless we were being persecuted. Read the Bible. Read history. God didn't come here to make you comfortable. He came to make you equipped. So let me give you five sailors. I, I, there's 73 in the song. I'm just going to give you five because I hear God starting. I'm just going to point out five of them to prove where I'm going. Just five of them. Go ahead and play that for me, Jordan, real softly. So let me give you five sailors. I found, I went and started looking. I'm like, okay, Lord, prove it to me. I'm, you're talking to me about this sailor thing. So I began to study. Is it really the conjunction? Is it really the shift? And so I began to look it up. Number one, this is where some of you are at. I've watched you. The sailor forces right emotions. What do you mean? Bring the scripture up. In your anger, do not sin when you're on your bed. Search your hearts and be silent. Selah. How many of you are already mad at your boss before you go to bed for what he's going to do tomorrow? Like I hope he does. You're already mad at your spouse. I know she's going to say that tomorrow. I'm ready. I got the ammo loaded. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. Watch you know. Some of you don't even know what it means to have sleep for the beloved. So what turn it down just a little bit, Jordan. So what you have to understand is the Bible says, in your anger, do not sin. When you're on your bed, search your heart to be silent. There's a sailor right there. What is a sailor? Sailor forces right emotions. It means when you lay down, change how you lay down. Because look what happens when you have a sailor. The conjunction, the shifting, the weighing moment, the focus time, the center time. Offer right sacrifices, trust in the Lord. Many are asking, who can show us any good? Let the light of your face shine upon us, O Lord. You have filled my heart with greater joy than when there grain and new wine abound. I'm going to lie down and sleep in peace. It shifts everything. It's there to shift. It's there to say, stop it. Stop it. Your family needs, the Jews believe. That God walks you through your house at the 2 of the morning, 3 to 5 a.m. I feel the Lord walk through my house all the time between 3 and 5 a.m. I wake up. I know he's there. 
You know why? Because we lie down in peace in my house. We protect the bedrooms. Number two. Just giving you five and I'm done. The sailor produces your harvest. Uh-oh, he's about to talk about that giving thing, ain't he? <laughs> yeah. Love it. Love it because it, it, it exposes demons. I love it. <laughs> the sailor produces your harvest. Watch this scripture. May he send you help from the sanctuary and grant you support from Zion. May he remember all your burnt sacrifices and accept your burnt offerings. Selah. Selah. Do you understand? Now, we know that Jesus watches the offering plate. We get that. The widow woman. He's like, he's sitting up there going, mm-hmm. He's got it. Jesus did that. He went, mm-hmm, to people. Do you understand that at the moment, pastor says, we're going to build this. We've got to raise 200, 250 people. $200, right? So, yep, that's right. Oh, I got you on that. I got one. I got one of those. And, ah, okay, all right, all right, all right. In fact, anything that was taken up Friday, Saturday, Sunday, it goes towards that. I don't want it. Okay. You can't preach to a house in the Chappelle. I don't want to offer. Done. Nothing. Don't give me nothing. Goes, it goes into the house. So, I, I, I can't. Are you happy? All right, here we go. We'll talk about it on the flight. So, do you understand at the moment you sow, something happens? Now, look, they're taking up, I don't know if y'all bring it down or if they pass offering buckets. I don't know what you do here. But at the moment you're about ready to give. And people say to me, well, I don't believe in that tithe thing. You know, that's Old Testament. That's Deca. That's, I don't really get into that. Even though Jesus said, keep the moral law. Even though it's Melchizedek, even though a tenth belongs to him, even though it was believed there was ten trees in the Garden of Eden, he said, don't touch one. Even though we know that in Malachi, it rebukes the devourer. We know that they bring it in from the storehouse. It says it over and over and again. I don't believe in that tithing thing. Cool. When I was pastoring, I loved that. Because I'd have some little hipster theologian walk up to me and go, hey, you know, you push tithing pretty hard. I said, I do, I do, because I've had too many miracles time I'm getting on the flight at 5.30 in the morning and someone was breaking into my house in my house, my wife's in the bedroom, my daughter's asleep and she said Pat, someone's in our house and my plane began to take off, I called my assistant uh, and who was the head of our school of ministry I said get to the house right now, it's 5.30 in the morning Quentin headed that way and my plane took off, 30 minutes, Birmingham to Atlanta, and for 30 minutes you know what I did, I didn't cry I didn't, I didn't say let me off the plane, I mean it was taken off at this moment true story, and and for 30 minutes, all I kept doing was going, sitting on that plane. I was ticked. I pay my tithe. How dare you, devil? How dare you think I pay my tithe? We landed. Plane landed in Atlanta. Called. I said, okay, what's up? He said, the police are here. Someone was here. The front door was open. But apparently they ran out. I'll tell you why they ran out. Because I'm going to rent the video at Holy Ghost Blockbuster when I get to heaven. They saw the biggest, baddest angel saying, what in the world do you think you're doing? Get your tail out of this house. You ain't got no authority to walk in here. So you go ahead and be weird. All right, now watch. Because that just belongs to him off the top before anything else. People go, well, I don't really believe in that tithing thing. Okay. I'm, oh, I'm, not, I'm New Testament. And I go, you know what? I love that about you. Man, you are so balanced. Um, so come here. Let me show you something. So you're New Testament. I mean, I'm New Testament. Hipster theologian. I'll go, okay, come here, come here, come here. Come here. Let me show you something. 
Let's look at the book of Acts. New Testament church. You love the book of Acts. Love it. Okay, watch. Acts 4. Let's go there. And the Bible says, they gave it all. I said, so you know what that means? Your New Testament. I'm fired up as your pastor because you're giving it all. And they're like, oh, I'm, I'm Old Testament again. I'm back. I'm back. Look at that. Old covenant. I'm back. Mm, just call me Abraham. So you have to understand. Do you understand that when you give, at the moment I did what I just did that I don't know that I've ever done in the middle of a sermon where I just said, keep it all. You know what happens? There was a Salem moment. There was a pause in the atmosphere there. You know what just happened for me? I ain't worried about none of y'all. I ain't worried. Because the, mo- the Bible says at that moment, there's a Selah. At the moment, the bucket passes, and you got to make a decision, there's a Selah. But when you answer him out of obedience, which is better than sacrifice, at that moment, he goes, you know what I got to do now? I got to give you the desires of your heart. I got to make all your plans succeed. I got to go and talk to her boss and tell him to leave her alone. In fact, I'm going to tell him to give her a raise tomorrow. I got to go wake her kid up and say, get out of the ditch and get home. Mama's looking for you. I got to go talk to her bank account. I got to go cancel a debt. Selah. I'm almost done. When I'm done. Now watch. Number three. I love this one. The sailor restores hope. We are living in a day and age where suicide is through the roof. Do you know that there's a moment where God can change your emotions? I don't know about y'all. I wrote about it in, in, in Unqualified. How for years I could preach to thousands and go back to my hotel room and feel like a failure. Which was really a form of pride and insecurity. But I'll never forget, I was in Gettysburg, Pennsylvania, and the Holy Spirit woke me up one morning. I felt the cloud at the end of the bed. My father had the cloud. My grandfather had the cloud that the secret depression only Karen knew about. And I would battle with it. And the Holy Spirit says, do you want to be free? I'm getting ready to preach in Gettysburg, 150th anniversary of Gettysburg. A big old festival. And I said, yes, I'm done. And God says, cool. Get dressed. Go out to the Gettysburg battlefield and dance before me. I said, Lord, I will get arrested. I am so white. It's before I lost weight. There was, I mean, there was body, I mean, just boobies flipping. And so, so all of a sudden, I go out there, and I said, I can't take it anymore. I've forced my family to live around my uh, emotional landmines, wondering who, who's going to wake up today, the revivalist, the daddy, or the insecure preacher. And I began to dance before the Lord, and the Lord delivered me at that moment. And it's never, ever come back. Karen's on FaceTime with me. I write about it in Unqualified. Do you know some of you need to get free right now? Because we are sick of wondering who we're shaking hands with. And God can deliver you. You say, but depression's a real thing. But I get it. I get it. I get it. It's a demonic thing. My mentor, Reinhard Bunke, used to say, when you allow uh, depression to stay, it becomes oppression, and it leads to possession. So you have to say no more. Yeah, but you don't understand what I deal with. Pat. Yes, I do. I grew up in it. And if you did drugs, you really battle it. But look what the Bible says right here. Now, I'm not saying you're going to battle it. I say the enemy would love to. We ain't letting that happen. I remember my, now this is Asaph. Asaph is a country music star from Nashville. Watch. He says, I remember my songs in the night. My heart mused. My spirit inquired, will the Lord reject forever? And he's actually listening to David as he writes this. And he goes on, as his unfailing love, look what he says, has his unfailing love vanished forever. That's an oxymoron. Unfailing love vanished. Can't happen. So watch. That's what you do. You begin to live in oxymorons when you're battling with emotional issues. 
Has his promise failed for all time? Has God forgotten to be merciful? Has he in his anger withheld his compassion? It's like, stop. You better just stop right now because you're cursing your future. Selah. You know what happens when the Selah moment happens in your life? When you just stop and you center yourself and you turn on worship and you get focused and you quit, you quit um, binge watching everything you possibly can. The shift happens. Then I thought, to this I will appeal the, the, to the right hand of the Most High God. In other words, look what he goes on to say. Bring that next part up. He goes on to say, you know what? I'll remember the, the deeds of the Lord. When you can't remember what he did today, you go back and remember what he did yesterday. He's always faithful. In fact, the only time God is judges in the, judged in the Bible is Hebrews 11, 11, and it says Sarah judged him faithful. You'll never see him judge any other time. So when I get up in the morning, there's not every morning, but most mornings I'll go, I judge you faithful. The only way you can judge God is faithful. And it goes on to say, I'll remember your miracles long ago. I'll, I'll meditate on your works. Look, he starts preaching right here. I'll consider your, your mighty deeds, your ways, oh God. Are, I mean, you see the spirit rising up in him. Watch right here. What God is so great is our God. You are the God who performs miracles. You display your power with your, with, with, and it goes on to say, you redeem. See, there's a shifting that has to happen, people. There's a shifting. Turn off the news, the 24-hour news cycle, which gets paid to, to scare you and shift. Turn on worship. Go dance in your and your bed basement or your living room or your backyard begin to praise him get back into who he somebody help me preach I'm almost done when I'm done I'm leaving it on the field today I don't got to preach tonight Pastor Mike you got it here's what I'm trying to say there's a moment when you say enough 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 of us getting off the same exit and having the same argument as a family enough Years and years ago, Karen and I went through a season where we were at it. We were just going at it. And finally, we just said, let's not get off this exit this time. We broke that junk. Spirit of argument over your house. See, you have to understand the sailor is the place to realize his favor. It's when God says, you, know, you got favor. You know that, right? I'll prove to you. Ready? So how many of y'all believe in favor? How many of y'all believe in parking place favor? I mean, I park in an expectant mother's spot at Walmart because I'm, I'm, I'm giving birth to a vision. No, I don't. I'm joking. My wife told me not to say that. I'm like, well, Karen, I'm pregnant with a vision. Something. Look what it says. <laughs> bring, the, bring the verse up. All right, what? May God be gracious to bless us, make his face shine upon us. We love favor. I mean, I, I say it. Every meeting I walk into, I am blessed and highly favored is what Mary said. I say it in every meeting. But how many of you understand favor is not always about you? And like, I'm God's favorite. <laughs> you know, he don't look at y'all, he look at me. Watch. Do you understand? Okay, years ago, we were in Birmingham. It's Christmas time. I don't like to shop. There's no reason. No reason. I just don't want to. I don't like to shop. Karen loves to shop. In fact, I told her, bury me by Walmart so you'll see me every day. And so... <laughs> My precious gift from God, okay? Her and Abby love to shop. They love it. And so I'm like, oh, kill me. I've got a toothache. I'd rather put a roof on the house. So Christmas time, it's raining. It's cold. It's when we lived in Birmingham. And I was pastoring at that season, during that time. And all of a sudden, Karen says, go to the mall with me. And I went, it's raining outside. It's nasty. And it's, I'm like, 
you, I'll, I'll fix something. What do you want me to do? I'll cut the grass. It's, de- it's December, but I'll still cut it if you need that done. No, go shopping with me. I'm like, oh, dear God. Because I go to the mall, and I walk in, and a spirit of sleep hits me. I ain't kidding. I walk through the door, and I'm like, oh. And sometimes you can sit in the middle of the mall on the benches and make fun of people. It's like going to the zoo. I'm telling you the truth. <laughs> I taught my son how to do it. You're like, my Lord, there's somebody for everybody. And so, cheerful heart brings medicine. So all of a sudden, we're, we're going to the mall, and it's packed. And Karen goes, God's going to give me a parking place. Favor. I said, all right. So I'm driving. I got a cap on. I'm just pulling through there. And she goes, well, I mean, there's no parking spots. These people have been here for four months shopping. All of a sudden, Karen goes, true story. This is a true story. Stop the car. I go, why? She goes, stop. It's like something possessed her. She goes, look over there. Three rows. There's a spot over there. I said, oh, okay. I start to pull around. She goes, stop. Get out. I said, what? She goes, run over there and stand. <laughs> true, this is a true story. She goes, get out and run. I said, I am not Karen. You are, it's right. No. I'm the man. So. I was running over there. <laughs> I'm running through. So I'm running over there. I'm like, and I'm like, people know me. I passed her in this town. And so I'm standing there like this, and Karen's working her way around. She climbed over the chair. I ain't never seen her jump like that. I mean, she just jumped over the, the console. She's driving around. Cars are coming by, and every time they start turning, I'm just like, <laughs> gone. Gone. You don't even say it right. It's, gone. it's like battery. Gone. And and eventually, cars. She's getting really close. And all of a sudden, this giant, like seventy-eight Buick, is bigger than this building, starts to pull in. And I look, and all I can see is white hair. And I'm like, Oh, <laughs> bless you. I've, God's done a work, a little bit. And so, <laughs> this lady. Precious, where's the beef commercial lady starts to turn in. I just dated myself. And, and I'm like, no, ma'am. Sorry, my wife's right there. Bless you. Bless you. I hope I'm sitting there going, oh, God, I hope she don't go to our church. Our church was big at that point. And, and all of a sudden, she starts to turn in. And, and I go, and she goes. I went, uh-uh. We're going to do this. We're doing this. Oh, we're doing it now. And all, it's true story. She comes in and she starts bumping me with her car. And so finally I just went, you can have it. She did the, My wife is back there laughing in the car so hard at this issue she created. Lord, it was the woman that ate. And <laughs> said Adam, <laughs> she made me. And, uh, and I went in the mall. Can I just talk to you about this for a second? Favor is not about you. Now, I believe in favor. But look at what happens when, bring that scripture up real quick. Look what happens. The Bible says, no, no, go to, go to the next one. Find, find that verse for me. See, you have to understand. May God bless you. Face is shine upon you. 
that your ways made me, know, made me known on earth, salvation among all people. May the people praise you, oh God, may all the people praise you. In other words, when God puts his gracious and blessing on you, it's not about you. The sailor reminds you, what you doing? You're not the favored nation. That's Israel. You hadn't got it all figured out. And then number five, did you know that God has sailor moments? How many of you, your kids have ever done something? And I'm, I'm, I'm getting ready to close. But I felt like this is for this house. I, I love Zephaniah 317. I love it in the, in the Amplified Version. It said, the Lord your God is in the midst of you, a mighty one, a Savior who saves. He'll rejoice over you with joy. Get ready because we're going to start the song in just a moment. He'll rejoice over with joy. He rests in silent satisfaction. Selah. And in his love, he makes no mention of your past. You, you know, you always reminding God of your past. He's going, what? I don't, what? Oh, you're discounting my blood. Okay, gotcha. Blood flows over the mercy seat. He sits upon the mercy seat. If the fl- blood flows over it, he's sitting upon it. You can no longer, he can no longer see it. It's under him. So. How many of your kids have ever done something? And you're like in the back of the room and they're up in the front. And you just, you finally get their attention. You go, hey, I'm going to kill you when we get home. You're going to die. Mama loves you. You're going to die. That's not what I'm talking about. (laughs) How many of your kids have ever done something? You just sit back and go. It's so good you can't talk about it. When I watch my son preach, I go, it's more important than when he played high school and college. Mm-mm. Let me give you an example. God has sailor moments. My son was in high school. My son and I are best friends, okay? In his ninth grade year, I've always prophesied his future. Everything that's happened to him, I've told him this will happen on this date. Get ready. Everything. <laughs> his first youth pastor to Whatever. In ninth grade, he's going to ninth grade year. He had not grown into his body yet. Still a little hefty. Husky. Mama calls it husky. Baby, the husky genes are here. (laughs) Anyway, and so, (laughs) so, so all of a sudden, if you're a fat kid, you understood what I just did. Now watch, because I was that guy. So, all of a sudden, Nate is getting ready to go, and his coach comes to me and says, you know, big high school, 7A high school, you at Trustville, Birmingham, Alabama. He goes, you know, Nate has potential, but I don't think his heart's in it. So we sit down. We have we called our park bench experience. We're sitting on a park bench. And I said, do you want to do this? He said, yeah, Dad. And he starts pouring his heart out to me. You've been gone too much. That's when I decided to plant a church for a season to be home with him and with the family. And so finally, I began to prophesy over his future. I said, Nate, God just told me you're going to get 18 football scholarships. But you're going to have to work hard because prophecy's not fixed. It's formed. You have to pray into it. If it's in God's word, it's fixed. But from a man, it becomes formed. What do you mean? Hey, Elijah, it's going to rain. Cool. What did Elijah do? He went and prayed for the rain. In other words, just because somebody speaks something over you doesn't mean it's just going to happen. You can just live any way you want. Oh, you know what? You're going to preach the nations. All right, let me, go, let me go take a hit real quick. Okay. No, no, your obedience has to line up with the promise. So quit blaming the prophet. So I said to Nate, you're going to have to bust your tail. You're going to have to work hard. But you're gonna, you want to play football in college? Yes, sir. Okay. Freshman year. 
His body starts changing. The house smells. There's no food. We're getting eat out of house and home. His room. I don't even know what lived in there. His body begins to shift. He begins to grow into this beast. He begins to become this big guy. He becomes, all this stuff begins to happen. Starts for his freshman team. Sophomore year. Starts for JV. Junior year. Season starts. There's five seniors in front of him. He plays nose guard on a 3-4 defense. That means he's, a, he's the arrow. And he's nothing. He's not getting to play. Every game. I'm on the 50-yard line. There's like five, 10,000 people at the games. I'm standing there, and I'm going, and he's on the sidelines, not getting in, wanting to play. He keeps his helmet on because the player that really wants to play keeps their helmet on. And he go, I go, he goes, standing down there with his friends, waiting to get in. Coach put me in. He'd stay right behind the coach, drive the coach crazy. And all of a sudden, I'd go, middle of the game, hey, Nate! He'd look up because a boy knows his father's voice. He'd look back at me. i go, you're doing good! Keep doing that. He'd go, I'm not playing. I know. All season long, Nate, you're doing incredible. He'd go, I'm not playing. I know. He'd come home. I'd meet him in the garage. Tears rolling down his face. I'd promised he'd get scholarships. you got to get looked at your junior year. Coaches are looking. I know. 18 scholarships. I know. His friends, the coaches, many of them went to my church. I'd be out there going, Nate. They go, our pastor is so stupid. I know. Whole time, never sit down. Doing good, babe. He'd get in for a play, that type of thing. Whole season didn't play. My brother would be at the game going, hey, stupid. He's not playing. I know. Senior season. Spring training. He beats out seven people that won his position. He becomes starter, nose guard. Open season. Gets the first sack of the game. Coaches start calling from around the nation. Colleges start calling. Next thing you know, defensive player of the year, all this crazy stuff starts happening. Do you know what I did during the senior season? When everybody was, when they called his number out and my brother's over there like speaking in tongues going, my God, he just killed that guy. Lord, heal that guy. You know what I was doing the whole season? go to run off the field, I'd go, he'd do it right back in. Next thing you know, he gets offers, scholarships, all that kind of stuff. Why would I tell you that? Because some of you ain't heard from God in a while. And it's not because you're not in the game. It's because he's standing at the end of your bed going, you're in this thing. You're in this thing. I hadn't walked away from you. You're in this thing. You're in this thing. He's still... It says, the Bible says, he takes silent satisfaction in you. He makes no mention of your past. Are you getting this so far? He's standing at the end of your bed like that dad of that senior when I was just, when he did the signing and got the scholarships and all that stuff. And the whole time, I didn't scream anymore. I screamed his junior year. Because a father screams when you're not in the game. A father ain't got to scream when you're in the game. But an uncle screams when you're in the game, not when you're not in the game. And what I'm trying to get across to you is I'm done. I've gone extra long probably. 
But the Holy Spirit told me to come and tell this house. He's silent at the end of your bed, Ryan. You're in this game. He's silent at the end of your bed. Because you're in again. When you're out in the world, he's going, what are you doing? What are you doing? I'm I'm not doing nothing, Dad. But when you're in. Because I knew how hard he worked to get there. Everybody else cheered the end results. I cheer the process. I'm working out my salvation. Don't judge me in that chapter. And there's a moment where you've got to shift. And this is what the Lord sent me to tell you. I'm done. I'm done right here. Get ready. Your life is a song with many conjunctions and grammar. What do you mean? Quit thinking your life ends before the comma and the conjunction. You somehow think you can negate the cross because you did that back there. Or you got that record. Or you made that mistake. But what you have to realize is God says we all have conjunction, junction. What's your function? You're not getting this yet. What if your life was just half a song? You have to understand. There's a moment where you got to be begin to shift. What does the Salem moment mean? What does Salem mean? The moment of conjunction, the changing of a point in history. You're not still not with me, but we're going to shout in a second, so I'll give you a chance to work it. Here's what I'm talking about. He sent me here driving this morning. You're not preaching tonight. You're going to preach on Salem. Do your business and get out of town. All right, Lord, here's what I want you to understand. He began to shift me. He began to stir in my spirit this morning that he's saying this is what's happening. Tonight will be a breakthrough night. Tonight will show up. Tonight, some of you need to get rebaptized, maybe for the, for, for the 12th time. Amen. And I was waterlogged as a child. But what you got to understand is there is a shifting moment. There's a shifting moment. It's going to happen when the water's open tonight. It's a shifting moment. God's in the water. I baptize you in water, but one's coming to baptize you in fire. Now, what are you talking? Shifting moment. Salem moment. Why do you think it went quiet for 40 days while he was in the woods? Heaven opened. He's gone. Selah, the moment of conjunction, changing a point in history. Do you know that in the Hebrew language, every word is assigned a number, right? Just like we're in 5781, last year was 5780, and the Hebrew calendar is 5781. It means the year, the next 10 years, it's about praise, shout, roar. Okay. I didn't know that when I wrote the book. Let's roll the roar. Every Hebrew word has a number. Do you know that conjunctions... Are zero. They zero out everything. They actually cancel out what was said right before. Okay. Okay, that's fine. The, what does Salem mean? The moment of conjunction, the changing of point in history. A conjunction in the Hebrew, Hebrew a but, however, is a zero. It cancels out the first part, so you'll focus on the second part. Let me prove it. Let me show you something. Bring up that song. Bring up that scripture for me. I'll just prove you something right here. If I had shared sin in my heart, the Lord would have, uh, in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. But that's an absolute zero. A conjunction, it cancels it out. So if you read it correctly, it's God has surely listened and heard my voice in prayer. Okay. 
Selah means the moment of, I kept hearing it over and over for three months. Every time I sit down on a plane, the moment of conjunction, the canceling out a point in history. Okay, I'll prove it to you again. Bring another verse up. Let's just keep doing this for a second. My flesh and my heart may fail. That's a horrible verse. That's a dogmatic verse. Mm. But, Selah, the moment of conjunction, God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Selah. I didn't understand it. I didn't understand it. Don't confuse the comma with a period. God knows his grammar. Okay, I didn't understand it. I didn't understand it. Get ready to shout. I didn't understand it. I kept hearing it. True story. I kept hearing it. No, I looked on the internet. Nobody had a good message on sailors that I could steal. I'm like, dear God, I guess I got to write it. All right, here we go. All of a sudden, God began to shift me. I didn't understand it. I didn't understand. I kept hearing sailor, 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 sailor. I didn't know that it counted for me that we would launch a, a business. I didn't know there would be all kinds of shifting. I didn't know there'd be a change that we'd move our family to Texas. I didn't know all that. I didn't understand what God was doing. He was trying to say, you did good back there, but I got something else better in the next part of the song. You think the first part was good? You ain't heard the second part of the song yet. See, you canceling God. You ain't getting this yet. Okay, let's do it like this. Okay. Two complete thoughts divided by a conjunction. That's what a compound, a compound sentence is, right? Okay. Man could not get to God. They were separated by sin. God could not get to man. Separated by sin. Had to have a high priest. Had to have sacrifice. I want to get to you, God, but I can't. Because there's a wall between you and I, and only the high priest can talk to you, and you're going to breathe on the high priest, and he's going to bless me, and he's going to accept the sacrifice on my behalf, but I want a relationship. I want, I, want a, I want a priest. I want someone I can talk to, but you can't have it. God, I want to be with the ones that I created. That I re- they're, 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 they're the joy of myself. I want to be with them. I created them for communion, and now we're separated. I can't get to them. i got to talk to this high priest who's all pomp and circumstance, and he's all about it. He's got to do 25 different ways just to get to me. I'm done with that. I need a sailor. I I need someone to change the song. I need the song of the redeemed to begin again. So all of a sudden, six hours one Friday when it got really quiet, the ultimate orchestra director stepped up, put his hands up on... Man could not get to God. God could not get to man, but let's change it around. Man could not get to God, but Jesus, the sailor, the transition, the song of the redeemed, raised his hands on a cross one Friday. And when he raised his hands and said, it is finished, that part of the song was over. I released my breath. And when he released his breath at that moment, God said, I have communion from an altar man cannot eat upon I will be a, he is a doorway to step through Hebrews 10 into the altar and at that moment all of creation began to sing canceling out yesterday canceling out old covenant canceling out what not somebody help me preach I'm done Hallelujah. I'm done I'm done. I'm done. 
Because the apostle of the house is speaking tonight. Apostle over the apostle that helps the apostle. God said, you're going to do your part and you're going to get out. Okay. You'll be in Georgia next week. Okay. The music's about to start. The music's about to start in this place. The music's about to start in your marriage. There's music's about to start in your court proceeding. And it is not dramatic horror film music. It is praise. It is praise. Just don't play yet. But I do appreciate you. Do appreciate the fact you let me interrupt you over and over. Can't start the music yet. I need everyone in this house, even if you're not a Christian, to come up front. Come stand.